Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast, where we revisit players' cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. I am Riley, and I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. Today, we have a weird one. We have the Hall of Fame class of 1968, in which they inducted a single player. Now, he was a very good player, and they inducted him 21 years after he retired. <laughs> um, I don't know when the three-year rule came in. But uh, this guy's a, this is a weird thing because you got to think if you get a class to yourself unless you're Dino Cicerelli, you're like a really big deal. On the yeah. other hand, um, you know, uh, why did they wait 20 years? And it's it's starting to get into a, uh, an area era when I think like there were probably some really different things with the way the hall worked um, back then that I just don't know enough about. I should probably read a book about it because like. It's just very strange. He was, we'll go into why people don't think he's one of the greatest players of all time, but at least statistically, he was one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, we were talking about Bill Cowley, a center who played for 34 37. Um, and it's like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't play uh, for the Habs, and he didn't play for the Leafs, um, but he played for Boston for almost all of his career, and like he didn't have the reputation that Milt Schmidt did, um, but he's like statistically there's, well, as we'll see, um, it there's not really an argument, um, and it's it's strange that a he got his own class because, you know, uh, as we'll see when we induct when we talk about '67 next episode, uh, it's or even talking about honestly the '69 episode where we were talking about some guys from the past. It's not like there weren't any anybody else to induct. Um, but also, it's weird that he just hadn't been inducted before, given some of the kinds of guys who were being inducted. <laughs> anyway, with that out of the way, he played, like I said, 13 seasons. 11 of those were quality, we consider. He was only 16th all-time in goal scored his retirement, but he was first all-time in assists by 62. Um, and that's actually uh, somehow... Um, it's I have a I have some very weird math going on here that I have to fix. But basically, um, let me try to do some spur of the moment math to see how far ahead he was in terms of a percentage ahead of the next guy. I have a number here that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to confirm that before I say it out loud. Um, so. Uh, one second, bear with me. So the next guy had 292 assist so oh, actually it's probably closer to what i was thinking um i, I can't do math when i'm talking apparently <laughs> uh, yeah so 21 percent more assists than the next person that's a pretty um, significant gap yeah now we got to keep in mind that he joined the league in 34 like four or five years after they started counting the second assist consistently uh so somebody was going to do this but he did it by a huge amount, more than the next guy. Uh, he was also first all-time in points at his retirement, and he held the assist record for seven seasons, and he, sell, and he, held, he held the points record for four seasons. Um, he was only 25th all-time in games played, and he was only 20th all-time in point shares, but of course he was a passer first. Um, and uh, he was also 12th all-time in offensive point shares at his retirement. Again, he was a passer first, so that his point share numbers don't look as good. 
Uh, he was first all-time assists per game. You'll be shocked to learn. He was also the only player to score at least 300 assists in his career, so no one else would be on that hockey reference leaderboard. Um, and then he was first all-time in points per game, and again, he was the only player who had scored over 500 points, so he was the only... Or, sorry, uh, only one of four players who had ever scored 500 points. Um, if we lower the qualifiers to get some idea of how much he was dominating, um, like lapping the field, he was 17th all-time in goals per game, though he obviously didn't qualify. He fell five goals short. He was first all-time assists per game, and he was ahead of Toe Blake, the next guy, by 0.13, which is a lot. That's, uh, what, like 0.8 of an assist per game over a career or something like that? Yeah. yeah. 0.8. 0.18. Um, I mean, it's obviously, sorry, let me try it. One eighth is what I was trying to say, um, or 0.13. Uh, and then he was also still, even if you lower it down to 400 he's, uh, points, he's still first all time in points per game. So it wasn't just that he racked up the totals. He was a better offensive player than everybody else, specifically in terms of passing. Of the 40 skaters played at least six modern seasons, or 492 games between 34 and 47, he's 11th in goals, 7th in goals per game. So that doesn't look very good, but he's first in assists, again, ahead by 62. He's first assists per game, ahead by 0.13, first in points per game, 10th in offensive point shares, 31st in defensive point shares with the 20th forward, and 16th in point shares while being 25th in games played. So at least by passing in, this, in points, he is the best player, the best offensive player of his era, um, and on the assist side, it's not even close. And now, of course, you could say, well, you know, additional assist, he's, those stats are padded, and that may well be a fair comparison. And when we talk about the reasons why people don't consider him one of the all-time greats, that's probably one of the two biggest reasons. Um, his, he has an, a point-per-game average for his career, which is very rare among players of that era. In fact, he might be the only guy from the 30s and 40s to do that, uh, who played, like, from the early 30s into the mid 40s, as opposed to guys who came in and had their peak in the late 40s or early 50s. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about like Toe Blake, the guy who's second in all these lists to him soon, and he wasn't a point per game player. We talked about a point per game player last episode, at least one, I think. Uh, like Brian, oh, sorry, uh, a couple guys who weren't point per game players. I think Sid Abel and Brian Hexall, if I'm not mistaken, neither of them were. Um, at their peak, they were. Yeah. His three year peak. Is, uh, Cali's three-year peak from 1942 to 1945 is an out-of-this-world 80 points per 50 games. Um, wow. That's just, like, in this era, that is fairly unheard of. Like, people were not doing that. He had 48 assists per 50-game season at that at his peak. So almost an assist per game. Um, yeah. Basically, impo- like, video game. This is, like, I, I'm not saying remotely that he's Gretzky. I'm just saying that's kind of, like, it's a Gretzky level of assists for the era because people didn't do that um playoff wise he looks a little bit worse as you might be uh, expecting uh so he was 31st all-time in playoff goals when he retired however he was second all-time in the playoff assists behind toe blake who played for a better franchise and he was third all-time in playoff points behind toe blake and maurice richard who both played for a better the same better franchise yes they did um he was also 11th in playoff games and again Per game looks a little not as good. He was third all-time in playoff assists per game um, behind uh, Elmer Lack and Toe Blake. And it's worth noting also that he was way back of uh, Elmer Lack. Um, now, we're talking about a much smaller sample, obviously, but like he, he clearly just didn't have the same offensive impact in the playoffs. Now, of course, he would have been targeted defensively more than anyone else on his team. 
He doesn't qualify for the goals per game point per game leaderboards because he only scored 12 goals and 46 points. But if we lower um, we lower them, he's uh, 46 all time in playoff goals per game, which is not great. Um, and third last among the qualifying players. Uh, but he's still third all time in playoffs per game. Uh, he's eighth all time playoff points per game. So still nothing to sneeze at, but nowhere near the regular season dominance he had. Arrow wise. 16th in playoff goals, 22nd in goals per game, but second in assists, second in assists per game, second in playoff points, and uh, fifth in points per game. So, you know, not the level of dominance of the regular season, but good. Um, he is well behind uh, uh, some of the leaderboards. Like, he's 16 points behind uh, whoever's first, I think, like, in uh, playoff points, for example. Yeah. Adjustment for era. Absolutely loves him, as you might imagine. His adjusted 82 game average is 121 points per 82 games, which is just video game and also likely a little exaggerated, to put it mildly. Yeah. Um, he is second all-time in adjusted assists per game behind only Gretzky. And he's sixth all-time in adjusted points per game behind people like Gretzky and Lemieux and uh, I think probably Gordie Howe and I don't know who else. Um Versus X also really likes him. He's 22nd all-time in Versus X adjusted goals per game, despite not being a goal scorer. He is third all-time in Versus X adjusted assists per game, behind only Joe Primo and Frank Boucher. And he's fourth all-time in points per game, behind only Brian Hextall, who we talked about last episode, Charlie Conacher, and Bill Cook. Notably, every single one of those guys played at the same time that Bill Cowley did. <laughs> so, skew towards this era. Yeah. Uh, if you set the qualifier to 410 games played, he's 21st all-time in goals per game, second all-time in assists per game behind only Frank Boucher, and he's still fourth all-time in points per game. But at least the the adjustments for era make him look like one of the best players of all time. Obviously, we can't take those 100% seriously. Yeah. Um, he was never traded, but in, in one of the great moves in Bruins franchise history, uh, they picked him up in the uh, St. Louis Eagles dispersal draft. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, that, that, uh, that worked out for, uh, for them, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, so they got him for free. Um, well, I guess you, you sign guys, you were getting them for free, amateurs too. But he, was, he's BBA, he played 41 games his first season. He had 12 points, 41 games for the St. Louis Eagles. And then the next year, um, he began to, to be better, though. I mean, his, his second season wasn't a breakout yet either. It was really his third season. Where he, uh, um, he won the heart twice in 41 and 43. We, when we did our heart, series we concurred we uh we gave him the uh mvp of 43 and we actually gave him a best player award in 44 where he was not on a good enough team but he was still dominating um he was also top five in hard voting uh two further times i'm just gonna pull up when those were um give me one second they were in uh so he won the hard 41 in 43 he finished second in 44 and Third in 45 and 44, he finished behind um, Babe Pratt. But I think during our episode, uh, we we gave it to somebody else entirely. I'm just going to pull that up and see um, who we gave it to in 44 because we, we thought we thought he was the best offensive player, but we didn't think he was worthwhile to hurt. And I'm just going to try and confirm who that was. Um, so this is this is uh, so the 41, the 41 one. I don't think there's any. Um, 
there's any nitpicking about. But his second heart happened in 43, which is arguably the first season of... Um, I wonder if there's a... Um, I'm just trying to see if there's a, a like goals per game by season um, for the entire. Oh, there we go. NHL league averages. Okay, this should help. Anyway, um, for for the heart in 44, we talked about giving it to Elmer Lack. Yeah. Um, because the Habs were presumably a much better team. Okay, so um, in 1940, uh, okay, so 1941 when they won. Um, they were teams were scoring 2.6 goals per game. It jumped to 3.1 in 42 and 3.6 in 43. Four, four, which was I think the highest ever by a lot. Um, oh, highest since 19, uh, 1920. Sorry, 1921. Sorry, um, in 1944, and then the war ended and it dropped back down. So this is where the big criticism to Bill Kelly as being one of the greatest players of all time comes his, he was an absolutely dominant player, but part of that time he was dominating. He was dominating. Like when he scored, when he almost tied Cooney Whalen's record for points um, in a, in a season, he did it when some people had been pulled out and were not actually fighting world war two, but they were playing hockey for the army and not in the end. Um, it's worth noting that he won his first heart before that happened. So uh, that should, I think that's a little bit of a, a uh, you know, hint in that argument. But anyway, it's one of the reasons why you've maybe never heard of this guy if you've never heard of this guy. He made a first all-team, uh, all-star team four times, which is a lot, as we know. And he made a second team once. He was a top five player at point shares when he won the heart in 41 and top 10 twice. So 43 the other year, he won the heart. So that locked up. He was the best offensive player in the league by offensive point shares, despite being a passer first in 41, top five four times, and top 10 eight times. Obviously not a big goal scorer, top five in goals once, top five in goals per game once, 30 goals once. He was one of only 13 skaters ever to score 25 goals three times his retirement, so he was consistently scoring goals. He was just not, um, you know, uh, an all-time great goal scorer. He set the single season record in assists, and he broke it by 10, and he held that for three seasons. He led the league in assists three times, and here, here, here's when things get a little crazy. How many other players have done that? Two, and they are Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr. Wow. <laughs> he was top five six times, top ten eight times. He set the single-season record in assists per game, and that's not a surprise. Uh, he broke that record by .14, which is a lot. Like I said before, it's like a seventh or an eighth of an assist per game. He broke his own record a couple years later, and then he broke it again uh, in 1944. And this record, the assist per game record, he held until 1970. So that is uh, 26 years that he held the assist per game record. Um, and I believe it was broken by Bobby Orr. That would make sense in 1970. Um, he led the league assist per game five times, which is the fourth most all-time behind only Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Bobby Orr. Uh, he was top five seven times and top ten. 10 times, which is the ninth most all time. He had 40 assists four times, which sounds like nothing, but was the most all time at his retirement, which should be a surprise. He led the league points only once, um, but he's top five, six times and top 10, eight times. He led the league in points per game four times, though, which is far more impressive to me. And that's tied seventh most all time. 
He was top five seven times, or sorry, top five five times rather, top ten seven times. Um, he scored seventy points twice, and he was one of only five players ever at his retirement. Maurice Richard, Elmer Lack, uh, and Max and Doug Bentley, the Bentley brothers. However, none of those guys had done it when he first did it. He was the first player to ever have two seventy-point seasons, and they were back to back. Now, again, he did that during World War II. Um, he is also the only player ever at his retirement to have 60 points four times, and I don't think it was close. The versus X adjustment loves him, the peak adjustment, as you might expect. Uh, he's 115th all-time in goals, which sounds terrible, but 9th all-time in assists for his best seven seasons, and 19th all-time in points for best 10 seasons. It's a little weaker. This is not a guy who, like, his peak was like eight years or something, um, his very best years. So uh, for for uh, his best 10 seasons, he's 130th in goals, so not great, but 11th um, in assists, so just outside of the top 10, and 28th um, in points. So, you know, a top 20 or top 30 offensive player ever, depending on how you um, want to, you know, whether you prefer the seven-year peak or the 10-year peak. And unlike a lot of the regular season stars we talk about uh, who have been inducted to the Hall of Fame, Bill Cowley actually won some Stanley Cups, which, of course, it was the 1930s and 40s. It was easier to do. Um, but this is not one of those guys who completely choked in the playoffs, despite saying all those things earlier about how he just wasn't as good in the playoffs. Um, he was the best. Well, he was probably the best player. Let's pull up the Bruins. On the 39 Bruins, he set the single uh, playoff record in assists, and he broke the previous record by, get this, Bill, 57%. Whoa. Now, some of that is because it was 39 and the playoffs had gotten longer. Yeah. And right. also uh, second assists. But still, somebody had to do it, and he did it. Um, and that year, uh, so Frank Brimsick had a 1.25 GA, which sounds very, very good. No idea what the save percentage was. Bill Kelly had 14 points in 12 games. So it's probably Brimsick, but it's between Kelly and Brimsick for who would have won the Consmite that year. Well, when we do our Consmite series, we will talk about it um but still he was very much the best skater on that team um and then uh he uh and they won when they won, they won the cup and uh they beat uh who did they beat they beat the leafs 4-1 so they had a they had a close first round uh game the seven games over the rangers but then in the finals they were just way better uh than the leafs that year wow um now that's where it ends for his NHL playoff success, really. He won another cup, but he was hurt. He missed nine of 11 games in 41 when they won, and you could argue he won the heart that year, and then they went on and won the cup without him. You could argue that doesn't say a lot great about Cowley versus his team, but he did, of course, in 39. He was very clearly the best skater. Um, and then every other year, he didn't, aside from 38, when they uh, when they didn't really go very far, he really didn't, like, stand out. 43, he had a um, he had a decent uh, year in terms of points, but he was outscored by teammates. Now, we don't know how much players were targeting him. He was the best offensive player in the league. You know, I don't think it was like until Richard came in, it was it was Cali. Like he took over from Charlie Conacher, and um, you know, in the early forties, uh, I don't know that anyone else was this good. So it's possible that every team was just gaming their entire game plan around stopping Bill Kelly. Um, yeah, one other thing we want to mention is that he led the Memorial Cup in scoring on a team that didn't win in 31, the Millionaires. Um, but they they went to the, you know, they 
they lost in like the final game or something, and he led the tournament in scoring. So, um, you know, he didn't win a Memorial Cup, but he came very close and uh, was clearly the best player in that tournament. So, he's statistically, especially per game numbers, he's arguably at least the best passer the league had ever seen, though obviously that comes in part from, uh, um, you know, the second assistant, you could argue Frank Boucher really was the best passer the league had ever seen. Um, he did things no one had ever done before, but he did at least some of them um, when the league was scoring more goals than it had since the very early years because a bunch of talent had just been drafted and was not in the NHL. Um, so I think they're... Obviously, one question is, where does he rank all time among the greatest centers ever? And how do we even determine that? But the other question is, like, why did it take them 21 years to induct this guy who, regardless of what you think of it as all time ranking, was clearly one of the best centers to ever play in the NHL? You know, he won two hearts and he won a Stanley Cup where he probably he might have been the consummate guy had it existed. You know. How many centers had four first team all star appearances? Yeah. At, at by 1947, I mean it was, it was an early like the first team was introduced in the early 30s, I think. So he probably had the record at the time for yeah. the most, at least by a center, anyway. Yeah, he's, I mean he's very clearly like a dominant number one center. Um, yeah. There's any question about that? And it's, like you're going through his stats, kind of reminds me of like, um, like if you were to read off Adam Oates or. Um, or Joe Thornton of like, he doesn't put up a lot of goals, but man, when it comes to assists, like he is pretty much uh, the top of the league. You know, I mean, obviously with Oates and Thornton, their careers overlapped with uh, some guys yeah. that just like literally were video game characters. Yeah. But other than that, like they're, you know, they're dominant number one centers who everybody they play with scores 50 goals. Like it's the, the, that kind of player. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, like the, the argument too that some people might make, well, yeah, there were secondary assists. You're like, if he led the league in them, I don't think he was the one guy piling up tons of secondary assists. Usually, if you lead the league, it's because there are a lot of those are primary, and you yeah. might get it. Like your pad, your stats might get padded, but more than anybody else's, I don't know about that. Like, and this is a guy who routinely missed a few games a year, and so he he led the league in assists three times, but he led the league in assists per game five times. Yeah. Um and like you said, Bill, like secondary assists, every, the one thing I think we, we can all agree on about secondary assists is they vary wildly from year to year when you're just like a passenger. That's not what happened here. You know, he was yeah. eight seasons in the top 10. He was sixth, seventh, first, third, first, first, fifth, second. Over a span of eight seasons. There was one year he, he must have been hurt that he didn't get into the... Yeah, he wasn't. Cause, and for assists per game, it's even more impressive. Ten seasons in the top ten. Sixth, ninth, first, third, first, 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 second, sixth. That's not a yeah. passenger. And I mean, it's it, it's not like you can point to any one thing where it's like, oh, well, he was also playing with the greatest goal scorer in the league, so therefore his stats were inflated every time he passed yeah. in the puck and scored a goal. Like, not really that Let's kind of Let's see. Thing. Uh, the year he scored... So the year he had 72 points, actually, let's go first with the year he had 47 assists where he, he I think he, he broke the record. Who was his, um, who was on his team scoring those goals? Uh, Roy Conacher. So a good, a good Hall of Fame player, but also yeah. like Roy Conacher had 24 goals that year. Um, Cali, you know, had 47 assists. How many, do we know how many power play assists they were? 
two. He had forty-five even strength assists. Yeah. So, and the only the other guy only had twenty-seven goals. power plays in nineteen forty-one. Anyway. Yeah. But um, he's not just like feeding one guy, right? Like, yeah. I can I can see when when Nicholas Backstrom's case comes up in in quite probably quite a few years. I do think he's going to come back from that injury, but like some people will point to, well, yeah, he just fed Ovechkin the puck and Ovechkin always puts it in. So his yeah. stats are padded. Like you might get that. That's not what's happening with Cowley here. And I'm not, not saying Backstrom's a very good player, so I'd have to do a deeper dive, but I can already hear people making that argument. Right. And so, the, I don't the think year, the year that he won the heart, uh, sorry, uh, his second heart in 43, when he had 72 points and 45 assists, yeah. He led the team in goals as well. Why? So he wasn't, you know, this is not a guy. This is a guy who's just, he is the team Yeah. at this point, right? Like, I don't, was Schmidt hurt that year? Or, you know, Schmidt, oh, 43, Schmidt was probably drafted. Oh. I don't know why Cowley wasn't. I like it because I think what happened with some of these guys who played in the States is if they never returned to Canada, they didn't get drafted. Right, because oh, they were yeah. in the states and they couldn't physically be. Because we we were talking about who were we talking about? We were talking about um, it might have been Abel, Sid Abel, or somebody like that who who was on an American team. Or no, I think it was Brian Hexall who was on an American team and he returned to Canada at one point and they like got him. Yeah, and then he like he basically didn't play for like a year because he got nabbed, <laughs> and I don't know if he play even played in. I think it was Hexall. And then he came back. Um, but I guess Cowley somehow, even though there would have been home games in, in Canada, I don't, I mean, like away games in Canada, I don't know how he got away with it, but he was in the States the whole time. So I guess he, um, anyway, um, yeah, the fact, the fact that he, I, I think looking at his second heart, I understand, I do understand this is, the league is watered down, scoring his way up. But the fact, and that's why he scored the most goals he'd ever scored in his career. He or second most. Um, he scored the most the next year. But um, the fact that he's, you know, scoring like having all these assists, and then he's also leading his team in goals. He's very clearly the best player on his team. Likely the best player in the league. I, I think it's worth talking about the fact that competition was watered down in case of in terms of his all-time case because i don't if competition wasn't watered down i think his all-time case is incredible and he's like you're talking about you know one of the top 10 centers of all time yeah but that being said okay so we we put a bit of an asterisk around his a couple of his best years but not his 41 year in which he you know the league was still the league he's still like among you know the better Center, certainly centers ever because he, he did, you know, he, he was one of the best players in the league for like 10 years when he was healthy. And um, it's just weird to me that it's 20 years before he was inducted. Like, I just don't get that. He, he got his own year. It was literally the Bill Cowley induction year. But like, it's wild to me that he, this guy had to wait 20 years. And maybe that was just not a thing they cared about back then. They were just trying to induct old guys because the, the three guys who went in the year before him were all his contemporaries or earlier, I think. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, I have no idea what to do with him all time among centers. I mean, I think, like I said before, I think if you don't asterisk his peak, 
he is probably a top 10 Senate. Yeah, he's at least got a case, that's for sure. If you asterisk his peak, maybe he's top 15, top 20, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, but he's, you know, uh, I, I really, um, sorry, I'm just going to see if I can pull up quickly um, what the history of hockey has him as, as like, where they have him all time. It's going to be lower than I think. Uh, they really, they really like to downgrade everybody who played through the, through World War II. Okay. It's, I, I mean, I, I, I agree that makes some sense. I mean, scoring really did like, what was I saying? It went up to, it went over four goals a game for like three seasons and then it went back down <laughs> the moment yeah. the war ended. So there's something there. Yeah. Um, All the good goalies were in the war. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the argument is that enough goalies and defensemen were in the war that, uh, yeah, uh, apparently their search function isn't working, so. <laughs> there you go, problem solved. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough to know where he ranks all time. It's also curious that he was inducted, like, after some years where there was, like, a glut of players inducted and they didn't yeah. induct him. And it's like, you know, was he in ill health and they were like, oh, shit, we better induct him before he dies? Or was it just like a, holy crap, we forgot Bill Cowley and all that big, like. No, he lived till he lived till 80, he died in 93. Okay, so like he was fine. So maybe legitimately, maybe it was like we put in this big glut of players, and they're just like, you know, going through the list. Like, okay, I think we got all the old guys that we forgot. Oh shit, we forgot about Book Cowley. We got to put him in. <laughs> well, let's give him his own year because we don't have anybody else since we just nominated twenty people over the last few years. So we don't have anybody else on the list. So I don't know. It's a it's, it's a curious case, right? That there was no one else worthy. It's almost like they had gone overboard in the previous years, and then they're like, "Oh, do we have anybody?" And like, "Oh, we forgot about Bill Cowley. Let's put him in." So, um, people are claiming that he was their second line center behind Schmidt. Uh huh. So he was racking up. Um, he was scoring like crazy on on worst competition. Now, can uh. Can I verify that? Um, That's going to be tough to do, I think. <laughs> so, um, somebody rightly points out, how did Cowley win a Hart Trophy who was the second-line center? And, uh, you know, I don't know that anyone... Um, someone just says, well, Milt Schmidt would disagree with that. There's no actual... No one's, like, found any, like, newspaper clippings or anything that uh, back this up. But maybe yeah. it's true. I don't know. Yeah. It's t- it's devolved into a stupid internet argument, as yeah, far as I can see. Like like some people would pro- maybe make that argument for like Mock and Crosby kind of thing, right? Like, well, Crosby's the one, so yeah. Mock and Crosby's playing against second line centers, but like not always. <laughs> and here's the thing: without yeah, ice time, he also tended to go bananas the minute Crosby was out of the lineup. Yeah. With without ice time. You can say all you want that this dude in the 40s was the number one, this dude was number two. Unless you've watched every game and actually seen how much they played. Like, I don't know, like, random dude on the internet in 2015 or whenever that post was from. Um, you know, uh, why that guy would know that, you know, beyond, like, Milt Schmidt saying it or someone else saying it. I, I don't know. Um, I wasn't I wasn't alive. My parents... Um, in the case of both of his hearts were not alive either. So the idea that you have definitive information about who was the first line center and who was the second, especially when one of the guys was vastly outscoring the other dude. Um, 
seems uh, dubious. Let's put it that way. Um, I know Milchim is considered a much, much better all-around player, like, uh, and still is. Like, you know, he was a he was much more of a defensive player. But sometimes, like, those guys who are are the shutdown center, they don't always play top line minutes. It depends on the coach and the year and the game, frankly. Um, I don't know. There's no way of knowing uh, without watching a lot of video or someone doing an ice time uh, project, right? Um, yeah. It is weird to me. I understand the hockey writers can't be trusted, but it'd be very <laughs> weird to me that if everyone in 1941, if everyone knew, everyone knew that Milshit was the number one center, that they would then vote for Bill Cowley with the heart. I yeah. don't know why that would happen. That being said, these are the same group of people, a different different individuals, same group of people that have put wingers on the wrong wing and yes. given the heart to Al Rollins. So you can't trust them. I'm not saying you can. <laughs> I'm just saying we don't know. We literally don't know. And we can't take dude on the Internet's opinion that Milt Schmidt was the first line center because yeah. he's just he didn't when he was challenged. He didn't back it up. He just said Milt Schmidt would disagree with you, which like he. Milchman's dead, I'm pretty sure. You don't know that. People are weird with what they think they know, you know? Yeah. I think one of the great, not to get too far off, <laughs> one of the great things you can learn uh, as an adult is that you are not always right about things. Anyway. Uh, so, I mean, I think putting aside the very like unknown question of ice time, not knowing the ice time, I think he's very clearly the best passer of his era. Um, and among the better passers pre-expansion. And beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Because he broke I mean, the assist record before the war started. So all this argument about him yeah, padding up the stats, it happened after he did that. He then broke his own assist record, I think. But like... Um, or points record. No, no, it wasn't points record. He never broke the points record. But anyway. Um, anyway, sorry, you were going to say something. Bill. Um, no, I, was, I, I sort of lost my train of thought there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he's... I think he's a, a clearly a, a very, very talented player. Um, no idea how he was defensively. The internet told me he was bad, but I don't know. Um, and yes, he, he maybe padded his stats for a few seasons, but he was also even outside of those three seasons that the war was really impacting the NHL. He was um, still in the tops in assists per game in 39 and 41. Um, and he was, I think he was second in one of the years after the war ended as well. Yeah, like, I, I mean, if he... If it was like, you know, here's an average second line center. Oh, the war happened. He spiked for three years and then never came close to that again. But it's like he's pretty consistently, you know, the the assist king of the league for like almost a decade. So I mean, yeah, yeah, three 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 players have led the league in assists three times, and they are at least three times. They are Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, and Bill Cowley. Bill Cowley, two of those years were before World War II started. So the argument that he is a product of World War II, I don't think it completely holds water. I'm not, I'm not saying this guy is one of the greatest centers of all time. I'm just saying I think it, it's more nuanced than people saying this guy just racked up. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think no matter which side of the fence that you fall on, I think pretty clearly he's a Hall of Famer. 
Um, I, I think the debate is just like, is he a slam dunk Hall of Famer or is he like a guy who should should be in but didn't like isn't one of the all time greats? Like I think yeah. that's where the debate lies. Otherwise, like I don't I can't see anybody seeing those numbers and seeing how consistently he's the best passer in the league and be like, nope, that guy's not in the Hall. Like what? And like. This could be a situation where Milt Schmidt is like I I think of like Rod Brindamore or Mike Medano or something like Rod Rod Brindamore in particular maybe like in the year they won the cup I think Eric Stahl outscored him but if you look at their minutes Rod Brindamore was playing way more minutes than Eric Stahl yeah and so it's possible like if if someone out there knows actually has factual information about ice time and say Milt Schmidt was playing two or three minutes more a night than Bill Cowley when Schmidt was not taken away for World War II, that really changes my perspective on Bill Cowley. But until I encounter that, actual factual information and not some dude's opinion about it on the internet, I have to think he's one of the better players of his era and one of the best pre-expansion players, despite, or at least in terms of passing. Um, yeah. Like, as, a, as an offensive player. I think, you know, and arguably, like, you could say without having watched him play, arguably helped, you know, maybe make it cool a little bit without knowing, right? Because, like, this is a guy who was dominating through not scoring. And it's not like he didn't win a cup. He won two cups, and obviously one of them he was hurt for, but the other one he led the team in scoring. And he led it by, three, like, three points over 12 games. It's not like he led by one point over 20. He led by, he was three points ahead of the next guy, over a 12-game period. That's not nothing. Uh, again, assists, I know, but, like, still, it's not nothing. Um, I just, it seems, it, it seems like he might be a little bit underrated. This is not a guy that everyone knows. And, uh, you know, he at least back in the 60s, he's got, he got his own induction year where no one was sharing the stage, which is so weird. But anyway, yeah. I can't make heads or tails of that. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. It's a nice short one. Uh, yeah. Because it's just him. Uh, for some reason, we don't understand. Um, but thank you very much for listening. And uh, we are—we were just talking about it before we went on, uh, before we started recording. Not the next episode, but after that, there are a bunch of episodes that we are going to uh, have to break into pieces because, uh, well, there are a lot of guys who got inducted in the mid-60s. Like, a lot. Like, just a ton. Yeah. A, a uh, preposterous number. Yeah, a preposterous number. Um, so, uh, yeah. But the next episode will just be a regular class episode. There's three dudes. But then it's the year after that where things get really, really crazy. Anyway, um, thank you as always for listening uh, to this episode. And we will see you next time.